and it was a few years later when I walked in to the office of a cardiologist with a list of all my symptoms, as I'm sure you're aware. And he actually said, had I stopped the exercise, I probably would have been coming into his office in a wheelchair. On today's episode of the podcast, I'm talking to Rosie Bain, someone with POTS and EDS and a love of bodybuilding and weightlifting. On today's show, we talk about the transition from going from being really sporty to having that taken away and how you then build that back up, sometimes contrary to medical opinion and advice. And we also discussed that whilst team sports are fantastic, there is something about individual sports when you've got a chronic illness, that resilience that you've built up, where it's not down to anyone else but you. This is the Chronically Fit Show, the podcast where we talk to people with chronic illness from the Spoonie community, but who also have a love of sports and exercise. And I'm your host, David Savage, a member of that community and a fitness enthusiast. So today I'm chatting to Rosie Bailey. Rosie, you're uh, a fitness coach with the very, that's what I want to say niche, but at the same time, not niche. Um, market of obviously people who have chronic illnesses yes exactly so it's trying to put a positive spin on my own experiences and using them to help others um because i think there's not enough people out there doing so um but i know that when i was first diagnosed i had no idea what to do or what was going on or who to speak to about all of this side of thing i knew that the training helped i knew that it made me feel better but i didn't know sort of where to go or what was good and what wasn't do you mind me asking very quickly what your diagnosis is because if you look at your page it talks about a chronic illness coach including and then lists a number of yeah. conditions i don't know whether they're the conditions that you have or they're the conditions that you've kind of worked out ways to help people train around yes so my own diagnosis i was first ever diagnosed with pcos um so that was what we thought was the issue um chronic fatigue and pcos and that later sort of evolved into pots eds and mcas as well um, and just sort of everything interlinked i'm a strong believer that there are a lot of sort of blurred lines there are a lot of links um between a lot of the different conditions and it's very hard to necessarily pinpoint what symptoms coming from what condition because i think there are a lot of links between them and so if anyone's listening and they're not entirely sure what those acronyms mean, as I understand it, POTS is to do with um, tachycardia and yeah. kind of abnormal rhythm. So it's a, it's a fast heart rate, right? Yes. Um, and EDS is to do with the connective tissue. Yeah. So both of them go a lot deeper than that. Of course, like POTS is a postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So that literally means the change in your heart rate going from sitting to standing and changes in your posture. But it goes a lot deeper than this. So a lot of it is to do with your autonomic nervous system as well. And it's a type of dis, dis <laughs> I can never say it properly. Don't worry. I mean, to be perfectly honest, with primary sclerosing cholangitis, it took me quite a long time to be able to get my, my, <laughs> my tongue around my own diagnosis. I think it's a, a badge of honor that when you've got some kind of chronic illness, they, they're hard yeah. to say. We'll stick, we'll stick to one acronym for the minute. Yeah. It affects your... Um, 
your autonomic nervous system as well mm. and just everything that kind of goes on in your body that happens that you're not aware of um so sort of digestion like changes in your heart rate changes just to like all the little things that go on um all the chemical reactions and stuff as well so it can affect mm. a lot more than just your heart rate going from seating to standing um it goes a lot deeper than that um and the same with eds as well um a lot of people think like eds there are different types and different branches of eds um i've got hypermobile eds so it is kind of more the joint side of it but for me through my training my joints used to be a whole lot worse so by building them up my joints aren't the biggest issue anymore I still get joint pain and I'm very very fidgety um so I think that like even just that you can probably see on the camera like I'm moving around a lot um and that is a lot of the joint side of it but for me the EDS mainly affects my gut so due to everything being super stretchy and super hypermobile my whole digestive system is very slow and stretchy um so I've got a lot of issues from that and have had multiple surgeries to try and sort of help cater for that what what age did you start realizing that stuff wasn't as everyone else's experience might be? So I think, well, I did have some weird things growing up. I mean, I had like quite common stomach aches um, when I was little. Um, like I had growing pains was the favorite thing that everyone kept telling me was like, I had ankle issues, um, knee issues um, and stuff as well, all through sort of, when I was kind of from the age of seven or eight, really, um, I was sort of seeing specialists trying to sort of get my ankles sorted and things like that. And everyone just put it down to growing a bit too quickly. Um, but it was when I was 13, um, 13, 14 years old, I remember it was like October, November time, I had a really, really nasty stomach bug. Up until then, I was going for hockey nationals, um, I was like going, I was like, I was in regional, I was aiming to go, yeah, I was 14, so I, I was aiming to go for the under 16s, under 14s and under 16s, like regional. Um, I was playing for a club, I was going on like hockey tours, um, like literally playing sports every day of the week. Um, and then got hit with a stomach bug and I never really recovered after that. So it was quite a turning point I think I can kind of pinpoint it to that some things weren't quite right before and I think I was definitely sort of predisposed to it slightly um but yeah it was when when things just kind of got a lot worse was after that stomach bug the fatigue hit and nothing was ever right since so how did you how did you cope with that because it's one thing kind of going something's not quite right and having a stomach bug and then feeling fatigued to being like actual diagnosis going seeing specialists going to hospital and saying no there's something there's something bigger going on here that's not just growing pains yeah so it was probably a few weeks after i had that stomach bug the fatigue got so bad um i mean like i'd gone from being the sportiest person ever to suddenly I wasn't able to really get out of bed. Um, I made it down to the sofa each day and just basically passed out on the sofa all day. Walking around the house was hard. Um, so it was incredibly challenging 
just doing daily daily tasks and just living um of course I was in school um as well so I was I took a lot of time off school and things just weren't improving like I tried to get into school and I just couldn't keep my eyes open I couldn't think straight um brain fog was awful and just like something really wasn't right it was not me at all that like, I could keep going before that I was just like I was go 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 I barely sat down for a minute um and then to go from that to I couldn't like keep my eyes open I couldn't focus for more than sort of half an hour to an hour it was a massive sort of turning point and a massive contrast to how I had been previously so that was when we started trying to look for various specialists of course I got all my bloods done um and they'd all come back normal for ages and it's just kind of the typical story it was like doctors didn't really know what to do with me I was eventually referred to um a chronic fatigue clinic um and they told me like so I basically within this time as well I started trying to build up my own fitness levels so I was like I can't do this was essentially I was like I cannot live like this this is not like, I was not happy of course I was incredibly low I was having a massive toll on my mental health as well um and I started sort of being, I was just determined. I think that is the only way to put it. I was absolutely like determined that this was not how it was going to be. Um, from a very young age, I always have been. So I started walking to the end of the road and just building my walks up. Started like with a one minute walk up to like a five minute, 10 and just continued building that up. Started running um, very, very slowly. To begin with, it was literally like round the block for five minutes. Um, and then had started seeing a PT um, once a week. And I mean, that had only started off with really like stretching and stuff. And I've previously seen him before I fell ill um, to help support the hockey side of things. So I stopped seeing him, but I'd really enjoyed it. And I was like, look, like I wanna go and do something that feels good mentally and physically. So I started doing that really slowly. Um, when I saw, saw the chronic fatigue people originally, um, they said that I needed to stop doing that. And that was the only thing that was keeping me sane at that moment in time. Um, why, why did they tell you to stop doing that? They said that I needed to bring everything back completely. And I basically told the woman at the time um, to go stuff herself um, when I was 14 because, yeah, they, it, their whole idea is that you pull everything right back. And they were like, because my fatigue wasn't manageable as it was, they said doing that one session across the week and trying to do my walks and my runs, um, I just need to pull everything back even further. And I just, I just said, I was like, I can't. I was like, it is, it is keeping me going mentally and physically. Um, and everything were, in my body just told me not to. Were family supportive of that or friends? Because well, I suppose maybe not friends yeah. so much when you're 14, but family, you know, if you've got a, a, a doctor saying this isn't going to help versus even if you know your own body, which people do, the 14-year-old girl going, no, 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 this is helping. That's that's challenging, right? If 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 your mum or dad yeah. had said, well, no, we've got to listen to the doctor, that would have been a difficult situation to put you in. It would have been incredibly difficult, but I was very, very lucky in the fact that my mum, who I remember was in that appointment with me, she had seen the benefits that the exercise was giving me. Because I think for the first time in months, I'd... I decided to like, you know, I'd come back from the sessions, although I was knackered, like I'd come back happy and 
like there was some benefit even if it was just mental to begin with there was some benefit of going in it was giving me hope it was keeping me positive and I think my mum really saw that in me so she did she backed she backed me on that fully um and completely agreed because I mean I wasn't really I wasn't able to go into school I wasn't able to do anything and that one session across the week with that and just doing the little bit of walking and the running when I could was what was keeping me sane and keeping me going. And I think even mum at that point was just like, that's ridiculous trying to take away what was what become my lifeline. Um, so I didn't. And it was a few years later when I walked in to the office of a cardiologist because um, mum just had this gut feeling because um of like the like the seeing a cardiologist she was like I think I think it's just right she was like I just need to listen to my gut I think it's just right and after seeing a few cardiologists I walked into this one office with a list of all my symptoms as I'm sure you're aware and he just laughed and he was like you could you you literally could just written on your forehead saying that you have POTS um so yeah and that's when I got the tilt table test and was diagnosed with POTS officially um and he actually said um in that meeting and that's something that has always stuck with me was had I stopped the exercise I probably would have been coming into his office in a wheelchair um and that yeah that's just really really stuck with me over the years so was that one of the kind of the points that spurred you to exercise to a greater degree when when or when did that that start to happen where you start to go from not just once a week, but multiple times a week? So I think I just, I did manage to build up some of my strength. I got back into some of my hockey a little bit, um, but never fully. I couldn't sort of commit to doing all of the, all of like the national trials and stuff, but I did a lot of club hockey still. Um, went on tour, which I loved. And I just, I loved the sports side of it. Like there was something in it for me that gave me a kick that nothing else did. Um, and just being in the gym, like learning all the stuff from the PT. And then I started going to the gym regularly myself. And again, I just started to feel that little bit better. I used, I started to feel a little bit stronger and it just gave me strength both mentally and physically. Um, I, I was that girl in school that like, I went to the gym regularly and like all my friends would want to go with me because like I had this PT. So I knew that like, I started to learn things quite early on. Um, before quite a lot of other people did and yeah it was just something that I just started to really really enjoy um like of course I started seeing like more muscle definition popping through and things like that so the more I sort of did it the more I was like oh like that's actually improving the more I sort of became fell in love with it even more um the deeper it, the deeper it came and I started going more regularly um over time it just built built up and I remember the PT joking to me he he did a little bit of bodybuilding on the side um he joked he was like oh that like you should one day you should compete um so that's exactly what I ended up doing um a few years later so we'll come back to the competition thing because I think that that would be yeah. interesting to come back to but Obviously, you now do run this service where you're where you're coaching, and specifically yeah. looking for people, or looking to help people rather who have chronic illness. Yes. So, How, what's what what? Sorry, what's what mental state do most people tend to be in? Because I imagine that they are they have seen your journey perhaps on Instagram. Yeah, but they might I not actually, be kind of at the point where they're, you know. 
Yeah. I So I speak to a lot of different people. I get a lot of different messages, um, whether people turn to clients or not. I get a lot of different messages from people with POTS. And like POTS in particular, I mean, that's something mm -hmm. that like POTS and exercise and EDS as well, there's huge, huge research backing the benefits of it. Um, and of course, it's something that I can relate to. I like coach clients with a number of different chronic conditions, but and like people without any chronic conditions as well. But it's like, that's where I think I can really relate to it and people sort of really sort of can um, understand where I sort of came from. Um, and as you said, to sort of see my journey. So I had this testimony from a client recently actually, and she said, um, when she first found my page, she just cried because it was the first hope that she had had. Um, I think a lot of the support groups can be incredibly negative. I think a lot of people can really sort of dwell on the negative side of it all. And while that is what's so nice to realise that you're not alone, that is when you're newly diagnosed and depending on where you're at, like how bad your symptoms are, like you don't want to be seeing like how people can't do this and they can't do that. Um, and just you know like in people perhaps in like worse off positions than you are like it sort of it it almost gives you this outlook of oh is that what my future is going to be like so it's so nice sort of getting messages being like you've given me hope um and you've given me you know you've given me like a bit of a lifeline and it is I think a lot of people are very nervous um when they first start training with POTS um even very experienced trainers who before a diagnosis or before they felt ill um with any current condition can sort of like then restarting their training um with a chronic condition having to keep that in mind can lead them to having a lot of anxiety around it being very nervous about how to push themselves when when you push themselves too much how how much to push yourself um so there's a lot of questions and nerves around all of that side of things but that's where i try to bridge the gap and sort of offer people the guidance and give them the confidence that they need out of interest, you, you mentioned there about the support groups and sometimes there could be some negativity there. Yeah. Do you ever feel slightly conflicted? Because on the one hand, you know, to attract clients, to give people that hope, you've got to be quite visibly positive, proud of your achievements. Yeah. But I suppose there's that slight thing of, let me let me give this some, some personal context. Like I have primary sclerosis and cholangitis, but mine is a lot more mild than others. But so therefore I have been able to continue running and I can, I can post kind of personal bests and get quicker. Yeah. And, and so at the same time, it's like, I want to show that you can have an, you can have a chronic illness, you can have a diagnosis, you can still achieve some pretty good things in, in sport versus not wanting to necessarily rub it in the face. I don't know whether that's the right phrase, yeah. but getting that balance between inspiration yeah. and, and not being too kind of brazen about it is sometimes a, a bit of a, a bit of a challenge mentally massively and this is something that I've actually spoken a lot to my partner about recently to my family because it's so easy like sometimes I can box myself off as like being 100% healthy and then I set myself unrealistic targets and you know I tried to fit into that box I guess and then but sometimes I box myself off like 
you know it's like trying to find the balance between the two I do find incredibly challenging and one thing that I always try to do across my page is put across that balance of yes I can do x y and z but I mean I don't post a lot of the struggles that I still have on a daily basis especially I mean my digestive system like we don't even want to go into the details of that um but yeah it's just a lot of the struggles that I do face on a daily basis I do try to be open and honest with it because I think it is unrealistic to be like you will go from you know being completely bed bound which I was um to you're you'll be able to do like you know live a pretty normal life which I do however I still do face battles on a daily basis it's just how I deal with them and how I manage them is very very different now and I've got a lot more resilience to them and over time the symptoms have improved in many ways but I still have the day where I'm like actually I just really need to slow down today and that's what happened actually on Friday um and it is it's frustrating it is I do find it really frustrating but I always try to be as open and as honest as possible and I mean it's taken me from my diagnosis as well um which well when I first felt ill was when I was like 14 um just before I turned 14 and now I'm 22 so it's eight years of living with this and building that up. It did not happen overnight. I never went back to school full time. Um, and I ended up dropping out of my final year of school due to my health. And it was only after that, that I think I truly, I released myself from the pressures of sort of school and that side of things. And that's when I took on my own education um, and did my PT qualifications and a lot more research and put the qualifications myself and in my own time. And that's only when I actually started to find the rebound in my energy and my strength and all of that side of things. I could actually put a much greater focus on my own health and mental well-being. For context, anyone listening, we were going to record on Friday. We're recording on Monday because Rosie didn't feel so good on Friday. Um, <laughs> You mentioned about competition and yes, weightlifting, bodybuilding. Um, how how did that really start, and, and and where where are your ambitions now? So, I've always liked to push limits. Um, I think with all my health and stuff, like I like proving to myself that I can do things. I like feeling strong. I like pushing my own body's limits. Um, and like just the resilience that I had through the chronic illness side of things, like I think that's made me incredibly determined. And like, there's something very special to me about bodybuilding. Like, I love the routine that it brings. Um, it just it suits me to a T. Like, I'm very pedantic about things. Um, trust me. Like, I love going out. I love I love spending time with my friends and stuff like that. But like my training, having a good gym session, feeling strong. Um, that for me just yeah it, it brings me a different kind of joy than I can experience in any other aspect of my life and I think because I fell in love with the weightlifting side of things like it was this challenge that I'd always sort of followed I never thought I'd be able to do but I'd always followed from a really young age and when the opportunity came about to sort of give a posing workshop a go, um, I did and I ended up competing a few weeks later, which I would never recommend to anyone, but it was a very small show um, and I was kind of pushed into it. Um, but I just, I just loved it. I loved being on stage. I'd loved all the process before that. And it was after that I hired a coach and I just fell in love with the whole process. 
um that's when I sort of really my own training really stepped up a notch um and I just really started pushing limits like I love lifting weights that I never thought I'd be able to lift and then I love like getting leaner and pushing because of course you do get down to an unhealthy level of body fat there's no two ways about it it's not a sustainable um it's not a sustainable diet it's not a sustainable lifestyle being like in a contest prep um but I like again it's pushing that limit and proving to myself that I can do it um nothing sort of made me feel prouder do you think there's something that the the chronic fitness community let's call it that um that they kind of like radiate towards individual sports be it running or or weightlifting or something because it is all about pushing yourself challenging yourself you know i love cricket i love football i love rugby but it's a team sport yeah it's wonderful but you get a completely different buzz out of it whereas when you've been told that you've got a particular barrier and therefore it's something that you're constantly pushing against as an individual yeah massively and I think what one thing that I loved about bodybuilding is you get out as much as you put in and with any other individual sport it's not down to anyone else um like for hockey I was the goalkeeper um and I always had to remind myself when I I, I've always been incredibly hard on myself um when I let a goal in it because it come through sort of every other member of the team first um and like, you know, it's just the whole battle of all of that. I hated as well. If my health was flaring up, I'd let the rest of the team down. And again, there was just a lot of confliction and guilt. And I just really struggled with that. Whereas with bodybuilding, it's my journey. Um, the only person I am letting down or sort of doing anything for is myself. And I find that incredibly empowering. So obviously we've talked a lot there about your own personal journey um, and and your kind of experiences. Um, you are winning some clients through Instagram, as we've mentioned. It's Fitness by Rosie B, right? Yes. Um, yes fitness, sir. as you'd imagine, by B-Y, Rosie, and then just the letter B, all one word. Yep. Um, if you were talking to an audience now, and maybe it's it's people who are, a you know, completely... Um, you know, no, no kind of chronic illness holding them back, but they're still looking to get into fitness and whatever else. What, what would your advice be to anybody who, who is looking to make that first step? Just start. There's no time that's better than now. Um, like everyone always says, Oh, I wish I started back then. Like, well, the second best time is now. So just give it a go and just keep trying no matter what. Just just keep going. Um, because if, you, if, you, if you're determined to do it, um, get some help and stuff as well, um, then you will succeed a bit. Because I think so many people give it a go and really quickly, like something will happen or like if they have a chronic illness, they get a flare up or they don't see the results as quickly as they want and then they give up. So just be patient with it um, and just just keep trying and get help if you need it because I think a lot of people try to take on this journey themselves um, and do really struggle for it. So, yeah. Well, look, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you very much for your time and uh, have an awesome week. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it.